Section twenty four of Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Felicia Wang. Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages by Wilhelm Wagner. Section twenty four, part second, the Nibling and Kindred Legends, section two, the Nibling's Woe, chapter three, the Nibling's Lament. At Etzelberg, great as was the misfortune that had come upon the people and the royal house, the burial of. The dead had yet to be seen to as speedily as possible. King Etzel was too full of his own grief to attend to business of any kind, so Dietrich and Hildebrand gave all necessary orders, and themselves helped in the sad work. All the dead were buried with every honor, save and except the hero of Tronge, who was forgotten. The grave mounds were filled and closed before the old master remembered the brave warrior, whose headless trunk still lay in the audience hall. Hildebrand ordered that he should receive instant burial, so a separate grave was prepared for him, and there he was laid with all his armor, except the good sword Balmung, which was to be taken to Siegfried's grave. According to Kriemhild's wish, many of the Huns went with the funeral procession. They neither wept nor made moan for the dead man whose strong right hand had brought so much evil on their native land. Next spring, lovely flowers decked the other grave mounds, while on Hagen's thistles and thorns alone were to be seen. In the midst of which a venomous adder had found its home, all who had gone near enough to the snake to examine it carefully maintained that it had only one eye, like the hero of Tronge, and were firmly convinced that it was the form his spirit had taken. At Bechelaren. Dietrich and Hildebrand sent news to Bechelaren and to Worms of all that had occurred. They chose the noble minstrel Swemling as their ambassador, for they knew that he was tender-hearted and would break the news as gently as possible. The Margravine and her daughter sat by an open window, watching the clouds that rose in the east. Godelin felt strangely anxious; a presentiment of evil overpowered her, and she could not resist telling her daughter. She said that she feared evil news was coming, for she had dreamed the night before that Queen Helsh had appeared to her, surrounded by the Burgundians and many other warriors in full armor. The queen added Godelin. Said that she wished all these heroes to go with her. She took your father and Gizohir by the hand and led them away, the others following. I wished to join the procession, but 
she signed to me to go back. Then they all vanished in a gray mist out of which a hill seemed to rise like... She was interrupted by sounds of arrival. It was the procession of mourners who had come under Swemling's guidance. The Margravine recognized Rudiger's horse and armor, and the meaning of her dream was clear to her. But in the midst of all her grief, she tried to keep up that she might comfort her daughter, who sat at her side, pale with terror. The minstrel joined the ladies. The Margravine rose to meet him and said it was needless for him to tell his tale, for she knew what had happened. A few moments later, they were able to listen to what Swimmeling had to say. So they asked him how the noble Rudiger had met with his death. He took up his harp and sang a song of the heroes who had kept their faith and had conquered in the battle of life. He told how they came to the realms of Woden and of Freya, how they float over earth and sea, and how they speak to their friends in the breath of the wind and in the rustling of the leaves, and thus bring them comfort in their sorrow. After that, he gave them all the details of what had occurred at Etzelberg. On the following day, Swemling had to continue his journey. A few weeks after his departure, the Margravine died of grief, and Dietlind was left alone. She remained alone for a long time, but when Dietrich reconquered the land of the Amlungs, he took the orphan from Beshalaren and brought her to his wife, the noble Herit, at whose court she won the love of a bold warrior whom she afterwards married. Swemling made his way to Worms as rapidly as he could. At Worms Meanwhile, things were going on very quietly at Worms. Queen Ute would sit spinning by the hour together, humming many a weird ditty, but seldom speaking. Queen Brunhild would sit by her side embroidering the death of Baldur, which she copied from old patterns. Curiously enough, the white god was not like the pattern, but rather resembled Siegfried. Look, Mother Ute, she said, is it not strange that, in spite of all my efforts, the picture will resemble Siegfried as he looked that day when he rode out hunting for the last time? It is a sad story, and reminds me of an old legend that I used to hear in my childhood in Isenland, in which a murder was committed for the sake of possessing a magic sword. It seems to me that when Hagen comes back, I must get him to give me Siegfried's sword, Balmung, that I may restore it to the dead hero. Otherwise, I fear that Burgundy will suffer as Isenland suffered through the theft of that other sword. Neither Hagen nor any of the others will ever return to this house on which the sin of bloodshed rests as yet unexpiated, said Mother Ute, and, breaking off, she began to hum one of her strange, weird ditties, which was so gruesome that none could listen to it without a shiver. About this time, 
Swimmeling arrived and told the queens of the journey to the land of the Huns, of the friendly reception the Burgundians had met with from King Exel, and then of the quarrel, the battle, and its fatal results. No plaints, no weeping, no questions interrupted the minstrel's tale. When he came to an end, the Lady Ute said, It is a sad tale, very, very sad, but it could not have been otherwise, for much heroic blood was needed to wash away the curse of murder from this house. Neither did Brunhild weep. She made all necessary arrangements for the comfort of her guests. She asked that the good sword Baumung should be given to her, and, looking at the bloodstains on the shining blade, she said, Grim Hagen stole this weapon out of Siegfried's grave. I will take it back to the hero, now that it has been dipped in the blood of his murderer, that he may rest in peace. She went to the grave mound with the sword and did not return that day, nor during the night. When they sought her, they found her lying dead beside Siegfried's coffin on which she had laid Balmung. The Lady Ute went on spinning for many a day, and as she span, she hummed a song of the Snake Queen who murdered her own brood. The Burgundian nobles and all the people mourned for their royal house and the fallen heroes. But when feuds arose in the kingdom, they united and raised the young son of Gunther and Brunhild to the throne, appointing brave men to act as guardians for the king so long as he remained a child. End of section 24 Recording by Felicia Wang